Welcome. Um, I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, and I'm very pleased to welcome you here to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco. And welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist program. This evening is Friday, April 17th, 2015. As I know most of you are very familiar, we do record these programs. They are available uh, as podcasts on our website. And so I'm also saying welcome to those who may be listening to this as a podcast at a later date. The Center for Dance Education produces a lot of adult education programs, as well as programs for children in the community. And all of that is available, and a lot more, on the San Francisco Ballet's website, sfballet.org. So be sure you uh, refer to that. And, uh, of course, we are at that moment late in the season when I'll bet any minute now we'll hear the announcement for the next season, so uh, you'll want to keep your eye on the website really closely over the next couple of weeks. I'm really pleased this evening that I'm going to be in conversation with the um, music director <laughs> and principal conductor for San Francisco Ballet, Martin West. Thank you. Martin. Hi. <clears throat> Suddenly couldn't remember exactly what your title was. It's a very long one. <laughs> really. Um, this is a particularly um, apt program for us to have this conversation because the Shostakovich um, is, it's in the title of the ballet. And the, you know, the evening dancing is about the music. And so it's going to be fun to uh, here are some of the insights you have. I know from previous conversations you've mentioned that Shostakovich is a particular favorite of yours. Yeah, he is, definitely, for sure. So, um, but before we really zero in on Shostakovich, there are some wonderful things that I hope most of our audience, but some of them might not know, and that is the entity that is the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. Tell us the history. What is this special, special group? Uh, well, it is a special group, for sure. Uh, San Francisco Ballet Orchestra will be 40 years old uh, come this December. Um, it, uh, before, previous to that, the orchestra was a, a pickup orchestra, and uh, it was started life as, not, I forget what it was called, not the, the Ballet Orchestra. Performing, well, performing Arts yeah, Orchestra, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, it changed its name in the 80s to San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. And we were one of the first companies to have their, our own dedicated orchestra. I think City Ballet may have had one just before that, but um, it, has been one of, it is one of the oldest ballet orchestras in the country, probably in the world, actually, because most ballet companies in the world are not necessarily individual ballet companies. They're part of opera houses, so they're part of a bigger, a bigger entity. So, uh, yeah, I have some very special musicians, uh, they're all fantastically hand-chosen through time. Um, some have been here through time, uh, you know, uh, we still have at least one founding member in the orchestra, and, and many, many who have been here for 35 plus years still, I see. And um, sidebar, we may get to talking about this more in a couple of minutes, but uh, Shinji Eshima, who is the composer um, whose piece is on, not tonight's program, but on program seven. Um, is has been a member of the orchestra. Yeah, well, he's a youngster. Yeah. He's only been here for 33 years. Right. So. Oh, good, the lights have gone down. Yeah, it's a little better. That was pretty bright. Um, 
the um, among the things that well, the parameters of the ballet orchestra. Um, they work primarily during the season, the local season. What about the when the company tours? Does anybody uh, we, go with you? We don't take them on tour. Uh, we, in their contract, it does say if we take them uh, on a local tour or we, if we have a presentation somewhere in the States where an orchestra isn't being provided for us, that we have to take them. I mean, we have to, but, we, you know. Uh, but that actually doesn't happen now, really. It's just, unfortunately, it's... Uh, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, they just don't come on tour with us, and it's a great shame because uh, we are part of the package in many ways. But uh, it's just that's a standard practice in the whole of you know the ballet world. Really, you use local orchestras, which makes my job interesting because you, you can go somewhere and have a, an amazingly great orchestra, and then you can go somewhere else and not so good. Makes you work a little harder. Oh, yeah, it makes it, it makes it makes it interesting, you know, and it, it gives me a chance to work with the other musicians, and and I can tell you that I always come back thankful that we have our orchestra here, um, no matter how good the orchestra is, because uh, there's something about having your own group of players who understand you and understand how you work. It just it's, it's just like having your own pair of slippers back on. <laughs> um, but you raise another interesting point, and that is that no matter where the company goes, you go. I do, yeah. I go with them. Uh, I, I'm the music director, and so I'm the one that's... Uh, I know the ballets, I know the dancers, so my job is to try and recreate as best I can what we have here in, in the various places we go. I mean, sometimes it's very easy. We go to, you know, go to London, and there's fantastic musicians there, or, or Paris, we had some very good musicians, you know, and then, well, we're going to China in October, and I honestly have no idea. I had one experience with the Chinese orchestra, which was pretty mixed, but, uh, you know, I, they could be very good as well. There are some very good orchestras there. So we'll just have to see. I won't know till the day I get there, really. Mm. <laughs> um, the, the ballet orchestra has made a number of recordings, which I find sort of fascinating. Yeah. We can, you can get You can the buy CDs them at all the, good shops, especially shop. upstairs, so please do. Uh, yeah, we've made about, uh, I think it's about 10 or 12 now. Mm -hmm. I've made about 10 with them, I think, uh, mm -hmm. over the mm -hmm. years. Some of them aren't, haven't been released yet, but, uh, you know, uh, we try and, we have a little bit of money in the, in the pot to uh, do recordings each year, although um, it pays for the players, it doesn't pay for anything else that's to do with the recording, so I have to find partners to make recordings to pay for the studio and the producers and things like that. One of the last recordings you made was of Raku. Yeah, we made Raku. Yeah, that was great. We did that and, uh, on the back of another recording we did, actually. We did some Weber Klanet concertos. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, we just had premiered Raku. And the orchestra came to me and said, we'd really, we'd, we'd really like to do this for, for us and for Shinji. So I said, well, let's try and make it happen. And so we, I don't know, we waived all sorts of bylaws within the orchestra to make it happen. We worked really hard one day. We did a 10-hour day which is absolutely exhausting. And uh, we rushed it all in. And, it, you know, it sounds great, I think, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's great to be able to do that. You know, we just premiered The Swimmer, mm -hmm. and we would love to be able to record The Swimmer as well. We're trying to find desperately ways if, to do that before it's too late, you know, so that people can buy the music next year. Because uh, it's been quite popular. Right, and it's um, an unusual piece Anyhow, you look at it, um, Shinji created ex or composed extraordinary music, but he pulled together such an extraordinary 
um, bunch of references and interpolated the songs of Tom Waits. And yeah, the, the, the songs of Tom Waits are um, kind of a focal point of this, obviously. It was a starting point, but in terms of the whole ballet, which is something like 37 minutes long, the, the songs only take about mm-hmm. eight or nine minutes of it. So it's nearly all Shinji's music, actually. And he did a fantastic job of, of making it pretty seamless. Uh, and his own original composition just totally reflects what's on the stage from real you know from the, I, I don't know if you've seen it I don't want to spoil it for everybody but how, how many of you have now seen The Swimmer enough to be honest so like the pool Wait, party never. for instance which is kind of this ridiculously banal music but yet the music is still interesting enough to keep our attention but totally gives the whole feeling of what's going on just this sort of 60s mm-hmm. sense of you know everything's e- easy and fine but you know and then going to this beautiful music towards the end which uh, oh transforms your life actually to be honest it, I, it was it's incredibly moving where he comes home and realizes that life has sort of passed him by and and yeah i think shinji did a, a, just an amazing job actually yes <laughs> <laughs> um we should probably before we run out of time transition to talking about the shostakovich in particular this is an interesting evening it's I will confess, I think we've already had this conversation between us, when I learned that we would be doing an evening of Shostakovich, I was reluctant to, to you know, have wondered how am I going to react to that. I confess that Shostakovich has never been a real favorite of mine. So I came in, being a good sport, last year, and went away transformed. How... How did this happen? Tell us a little bit more about Shostakovich. Um, well, Shostakovich, you have to understand, uh, I think for most musicians, is, is I think most musicians you talk to would consider him one of the really great, mm-hmm. great composers of the 20th century. Possibly the, the, the longest lasting. We don't know that yet, but it really, uh, his, his output was incredible. And, and was truly able to create incredibly um, deep music as well as, as, as fun music. And what we forget as Westerners is for, for the Russian people, Shostakovich wasn't just the great composer which was revered. He was a populist composer. He was greatly, greatly popular. And it's actually the, that was the thing that saved his life at times because he was able to provide popular music for the masses as well. He started his life out by playing piano in a, in a movie theater. For, for his, you know, accompanying the, the movie theater, silent movies. And, but it was able to bring all, all popular culture together and make pieces of music, which you hear tonight, you know, you hear popular music. The, the first piano concerto has, has Russian folk, uh, street themes in and it has all sorts of other ridiculous bits of uh, Beethoven and all sorts of things intertwined into this one whole thing, which is a madcap thing. One of the things that I've heard uh, you say and that I've also read is that all of three of these pieces are intertwined with um, inside jokes, inside references, which uh, yeah. is uh, fascinating to us. Well, let's say the, the easiest example is the middle piece, the, uh, the, the, the Chamber Symphony, which started life as a quartet, eighth quartet. Yeah. And he wrote this in, I think it was 1960, in three days, which is actually mind-boggling to me that you could have even yeah. written it down in three days, let alone composed it. Uh, and in all the way through that ballet is uh, four very important notes to Shostakovich. D, E flat, C, B. He goes da 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 doom, and you'll hear it over and over again. And those notes 
long story, translated into German, become DSCH, which in German is Dmitri Shostakovich, the first letter of his name. So uh, for him, it was autobiographical, and he used that theme many, many times in his, um, in his output. Uh, but the, the Eighth Quartet was where he used it perhaps the most and most uh, insistently. And um, he dedicated the work to the to victims of fascism and war. But really, for him, it was an autobiographical thing. And he quotes in that particular quartet many pieces which were very important to him. Uh, there was, uh, there's a quote from the opera Lady Macbeth at Mertens, which was the, the, the work which was uh, uh, denounced by, by the, uh, the authorities and which made him have to stop writing for a little while. And he nearly, nearly got killed for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, towards the end of uh, uh, the ballet, uh, of, the, of the piece, and he quotes from his first uh, symphony, uh, which is obviously the, the piece that put him into international stardom when he was 18 years old. And he quotes from the cellos, uh, concerto, all sorts yeah. of little things, all there. But it's, uh, he said himself, it was a. He thought of it as a summing up of his life, and um, I understand that he actually intended to commit suicide after he had written it. But uh, luckily for us, he didn't. We, uh, he he lasted another ten, fifteen years after that. Oh man! So, um, how do we get through an entire evening um, of this of one composer? Uh, because it's all completely different. The first, symf- the ninth symphony that you hear, was uh, written in just after the war. He'd written during the war two immensely huge symphonies, which are grandiose and and were um, basically uh, triumphant pieces to help people get through the war. And so, when the war was finished, uh, Stalin expected another fantastic paean to the Russian people, and he wrote this basically joke uh, it's a good enough piece of music that he got away with it but really he was really again flying in the face of, of terror because he, he, was, he was really taking a big risk by doing it and the piece itself is, is almost like a, an old, older type of symphony Haydn-esque symphony it's, sort of, it's, it's fun, it's jolly, it's tons of little musical jokes which you know, not necessarily funny but in terms of musicality, they're kind of like, ah, ah, ah you know. <laughs> and it's the sort of thing that uh, Alexei does on the stage, little things, you know. No, they're not funny, but they think, oh, that's clever. That's, that's clever, it's clever. Oh, yeah, it's really brilliant the way he did that. He ends up in all sorts of wrong keys, and yet he brings it back, and, it, and people make jokes. The trombone keeps playing da-da, da-da, because he's never quite sure where he is, and he keeps, he keeps repeating till eventually he's in the right place, you know. And uh, the orchestra end up in, the strings end up in E major when they should have ended up in E flat major, and so the trombone comes in and, and says, no, this is the key it should have been, and da-da, it sounds absolutely terrible. But it, you know, as a whole, it, you don't notice that unless you're thinking about it. It's just a brilliant, brilliant piece of music. And then he goes through a cycle of, you know, a, a kind of a, a deeper second movement mm-hmm. and, uh, and ends up with just, it's just a joke. It's a final, like any Haydn symphony would have ended with this jolly, jolly piece. And, but there's a sort of forced feeling to it. It's not, you know, it is, it's kind of fun, but it's somewhere beneath it. You know, it sort of builds and builds and builds and releases. And you wonder whether it's really fun or not. I get an almost frantic sense. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you, know, you end and it's fine, you know, but you wonder whether what was going on beforehand to get to that stage, you know. But it, and it's a totally different piece of music from the quartet. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the quartet is brooding and uh, very right. heavy. I mean, it's really dark. And then the piano concerto was written early on in his life, and as I said before, it's just a madcap. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant combination of all sorts of things. Uh, he wrote it for himself so that he could uh, go around playing 
playing it, you know, he, so he could get out and get to, get to perform. As long as he had a trumpeter. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. It's, people call it, it's called the Concerto for Piano, Trumpet and Strings. And originally, when he wrote it, he meant it to be a, a trumpet concerto. And then he added the piano part so that he could play. And then he wrote so much of the piano part that it became the piano concerto. And in fact, although it's <laughs> now called the Concerto for Trumpet and Strings, really the trumpet is part of the orchestra. He has a few solos, but nothing really huge, I don't think. It's my own personal opinion. But don't tell Adam that, because Adam will be that Adam's my first trumpet. He'll be very upset if it... Yeah. Right. And he makes it sound great. Um, speaking of the trumpet piano concerto, um, we in the San Francisco Ballet audience uh, have, are familiar with that piece mm -hmm. from an earlier work. Yeah, the and Dance House. Yeah. The Dance House, created by um, William, William Bentley. David, David. David Bentley. Um, for San Francisco Ballet way back in the um, 90s, mm -hmm. uh, 95 or something. Um, and then we did it recently. Yeah, we did it three or four years, right. four or five years. Um, I'm wondering if you can just reflect for a second on what is your experience of standing here on the podium and conducting the same music, but with different things happening on stage? Uh, yeah, I mean, Dance House was quite personal, wasn't it? You know, mm -hmm. um, it's a very good question. I haven't really got a very good answer. I think the music's mostly the same, played most of the same. There's a few bits where we take a little t time or t mm -hmm. one little bit, bit slower. So they, but essentially the same piece is going on. But um, I, I will tell you this. It's the sort of piece when you're conducting it, you haven't really got time to be watching the stage too much. It's not, you know, there are ballets where you watch it all the mm -hmm. time and make sure you, but with this particular piece, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not one of those. It's, 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 and thank goodness, because it's a very difficult piece to put together. It's very mm -hmm. tricky uh, mm. to get everything just so in the orchestra. So, uh, so it's not like I live with the piece thinking, oh, that's good, I like that bit. All that. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just actually quite, quite busy in the pit doing these things. Mm. But uh, especially the, the slow movement, it was, it was a very different kind of feel to it, I think. <laughs> Which is, in the dance house, is um, just heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't... And in this, it's just lovely. It's just lovely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The time is going by. I'm hoping that you will have some questions for Martin. Um, there's just so much more we could be talking about, this incredible music and this incredible program. Um, for those of you who came in after we started, I'm in conversation with... Um, long title, music director, Martin West, um, about everything musical. There was a hand that went up right there. Do you have a question? Yes, I just to ask, uh, how's Kristen? How's Kristen? How's Kristen? Kristen Long is my wife, and she's fine. Thank you very much. Um, in fact, she's coming to watch the show tonight, which is a quite treat, because she doesn't get to see it very often. Uh, and she's uh, now, she retired. What was it, three years ago? I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, uh, and we have two young children, and uh, she's now teaching uh, a little bit down at uh, City Ballet School with Galina Alexandrova. Uh, so she does that. Yes. Which instrument did you start your musical career, and also which ballet is musically the most difficult for the orchestra to execute? Okay, so the, well, the first question, I'll take one at a time. Uh, what instrument did I start my musical 
career on. Um, well, it's, just, it's quite a famous story. I tell this a lot. Um, when my mum was a, a teacher of music, she taught flute and clarinet, and uh, she was a, she worked for the city of Bury in 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 England, and she was uh, every Friday night they had a youth orchestra, and uh, I was four when the youth orchestra was founded, and she couldn't find babysitting on that particular night. So she, I just have to sit at the back of the youth orchestra while waiting for the practice. My brothers played in the youth orchestra. And uh, so at one point, mom said, why don't you just play the, you know, why don't you play the triangle? So I played the triangle in the youth orchestra and I actually played it properly as well. I didn't just bash it away and had a lot of help. But that was my first musical experience. And then uh, I, but I think probably what you really meant is I, I started life very briefly on the, on the violin and then in, I studied cello and piano which was my two main instruments, which I carried on doing right up, well, right up until I became a full-time conductor. Oh, and the other, the other question was, uh, which piece is most challenging to play? Is that, which yeah. Which to conduct? <sighs> the one we're playing at the moment. I don't know. It, they're all challenging. Every piece has its challenges. You know, um, there's no really, I, I can't think of, I mean, there's some very difficult pieces. Rider Springs, very difficult. Um, yeah. Rachmaninoff symphonic dances is very difficult, but uh, but you live with them and you you get good at them. So it, it, what seems in, incredibly difficult and daunting to begin with can end up being really familiar and 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 not easy, never easy. But uh, but the, the challenges are different after a while. But but playing a piece of Mozart, you know, it's just is really really hard. It's very hard to play Caprice, for instance. It's because it's it's there's nothing, there's nowhere to hide in that piece. It's a uh, it's, it's it's just very. Uh, it's there, you know, not, if you put a wrong note down, everybody can hear it. Thank you. Um, another question, yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so the uh, question started with, there were a lot of women in the orchestra, and did I have anything to do with that? Um, no, I didn't, actually. Although I might have done. No, uh, and the way we hire our orchestra is actually very, very fair. We have, we have auditions uh, when we have a vacancy, we, ha we, ha we advertise nationally, and we accept resumes from anywhere, uh, internationally, in fact. And we have people play behind the screen, and we have various rounds until we pick on one person we like. And then often or not, we, we've, you know, lo and behold, there they are, and we, we see who they are after that. I think um, it's possible that our audience, members of our audience, might not be familiar with that whole concept of the blind or screened audition. It was something that the orchestra brought in just before I became music director, um, following on a pattern that the, the, the Met Orchestra did in, uh, in New York. Um, it, it's, it's impossible to listen to someone totally objectively if you're watching them, because the way they, they move can affect the way you hear things. It's just, just nature. So we try and just be as fair as possible. Uh, there's various stories in, you know, from my own country, England, of um, uh, people... Um, a famous person, a horn player, a very good horn player, a lady who was going for a job in one of the big London orchestras and it was behind a screen but someone said to them um, you mustn't wear you must wear big shoes because they'll think you're a lady and they won't give you the job. So she went and bought big boots and she stomped in on the boots and lo and behold she got the job. <laughs> I had heard of that policy in um, legitimate orchestras, not legitimate. That was a silly thing. Straight orchestras, not 
theater orchestras, <laughs> but um, so that it's a pretty widespread practice, I think, probably. I think nowadays it has yeah. to be, yeah, it's, been, yeah. It's, you know, it's, very, it's very difficult you know, yeah. to, to pick the right one, and so we have to try and make it as fair as possible. Um, we have another question or so. I see one. Um, yes. Okay, so the question is how does the rehearsal process work? So the, the dancers indeed, they, they have a break now after the season finishes and then come back in uh, July and they, they practice and they rehearse things up and uh, ready for the season. Well, the orchestra have a break. They actually just don't play together at all. Uh, many of my orchestra play in the opera orchestra and they freelance around. But as an orchestra, they don't play at all, except for maybe at Stone Grove. And uh, a lot of don't play that anyway because they're not here. But... Um, so the, the, the question was, when do we start rehearsing? So we have our first rehearsal of the season the day before Nutcracker opens. <laughs> and uh, as a general rule, for each of the performances you see, we, we rehearse our, on our own, and we get the music ready. And it might, might, depending on the program, takes two or three days. And then we have uh, what's called an orchestra and a technical rehearsal. Uh, on one day, and then the next day we'll do the dress rehearsal and the show. So we only get to go twice through with the stage before the opening night. This is a totally random question. Is there, have you ever hired any musician for the orchestra who has never played a nutcracker? <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, I think I have, yeah. I mean, so you hire young people and they haven't had a chance to play. Um, I'm trying to think now if I can think of anybody specific, but uh, most people know it. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. When I first did Nutcracker, I was 28, and I only heard it for the first time in its entirety when I was 27. Wow, there is a world outside yeah, I mean, Nutcracker. Uh, I, I, I wasn't, yeah, uh, it's not quite such a massive tradition in England as it is here. So. I think the American audiences have so embraced it and take it so for granted. We really now have run out of time. Uh, it's been delightful to be in conversation, Martin. Thank you very much. It's always fun. Thank you. I know you're going to enjoy this evening's performance. Thank you all, and thank you, Martin. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank you.